0: Good evening, everybody. It's James here with Ghost Goons
1: and Adam on the other side.
0: And we are doing—we're doing a kind of a new setup um, now. We're doing it from college, obviously. Uh, we both go to school, so we're—we're we're trying long distance here, seeing how it works.
1: Yeah, so far so good. Yeah. I mean, better than the last couple weeks we tried. <laughs> exactly,
0: it's getting better. Getting better every time. Um, we also yep. have uh, Jv Johnson here with us. Um, Jv is the person who puts on and runs Scarecon. he does a bunch of other stuff but um we've really got him here for scaricon primarily so hi jb thanks for joining us
2: don't you guys know that long distance relationships never work
1: <laughs> we're
0: trying we're they trying. never
2: work
1: <laughs> we're uh we're gonna make we won't them. know until we won't know until we learn firsthand <laughs>
0: exactly we're learners through experience um so, um, I guess we'll get right to it then. Uh, Adam, you've got a little something you want to... Yeah,
1: um, yeah, today in horror history is a... Uh, I didn't do out the math, but on October 1st in 1968, the Night of the Living Dead was released in theaters.
2: Wow, that's a landmark yes. day, actually.
1: Yeah, really, that's, that's going back. That was the first real time that zombies appeared in film, wasn't it?
2: Well, there had been other versions of zombies, but it was the first time that... Um, actually, it... I don't know how deep you guys want to get into zombie history and zombie lore, but Very deep. It, it, was a, it was the first time that zombies had been used in that way where they had been um, com- corpses that had been completely reanimated um, to go out and try to eat cannibalize the living. I mean, there was a film in 1958 called Invisible Invaders, and it's on Netflix if you get a chance to watch it because it's kind of cool. It's one of my favorite old sci-fi films um, where aliens um, actually end up occupying the bodies of deceased individuals and animate those bodies to go to try to take over the world. But it's not, not the same thing. The night of the living dead introduced a new zombie that, um, came to life on its own, basically not as a host for something else. And it went out to try to, uh, eat human flesh. And that was a first. And not only was it was it a first, but it was a, it was a very, um, what's the word? Uh, striking and when people saw it in the theaters it was one of those concepts that hadn't been you know it's not something that they were they were expecting so it was very very impactful on people when they went to the, the- theaters to see the film
1: yeah i was going to say i mean even today it's a zombie as portrayed in the night of the living dead is still very a very iconic horror figure
2: well I'd, i'll go even further that john russo who was uh who co-wrote Knighted Living Dead with George Romero. In fact, John Russo probably wrote more than Romero did, um, and doesn't, in my estimation, get enough credit for how what his contribution was. Um, but R- uh, Russo um, created this zombie f- character, this zombie figure, and. Everything we have seen in zombie lore since then has been either a direct descendant of that zombie that was created in Night of the Living Dead or a, a, a close relative of it. I mean, some of the movies will now show zombies that are fast or that that can think or that can you know, reason and whatever. But they're all descendants of that film. Nineteen sixty-eight, *Night of the Living Dead*, and that you know, we—I do a show uh, called *Horror Talk* on the Blog Talk Radio Network as well. In fact, it's a sister show to uh, to the Ghost Goons. Here, um, we actually pick *Night of the Living Dead* as one of our must-see classics because it is such a landmark film. And I'll tell you, and you guys can shut me up anytime you want. <laughs> no, I, this is really interesting. I'm I'll enjoying t- this. The 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 film doesn't have great acting. No. John Russo is a great friend of mine, but the writing is, is, is not superb. It didn't win any Academy Awards for the screenplay. The ideas are superb, but the, the actual screenplay itself, you know, it, it's, it's I'm not going to say amateurish, but it was a first effort for those guys, and you can tell. But the material was so interesting and so groundbreaking that it superseded all of that. And the filmmaking itself, have, have you guys seen it recently? Uh, it's been a long time. Well, yeah, it's been a couple of You need to watch it. In years. fact, we're we're getting pretty close here to Halloween as we enter October. This has got to be one of your activities. you got to sit down. It's on Netflix. It's on almost every mm-hmm. um, video on-demand service because it's free of royalties, so anybody can show it. Um, you got to watch this film because I, I, I actually wrote an article about it. When the film opens up, it's this bleak, um, I think it's, uh, early winter or or early spring or whatever it's clear that uh, you know there are no leaves on the trees, and everything's just brown and gross and it's in black and white which makes it look even more bleak than it actually is and it's just nothing's happening and you see this car in the distance and it just takes forever to um get to the to the camera where the camera is stationed then it goes by, and it's that bleakness and that starkness that sets the stage for what's about to happen and this isn't a film. Where you've got tons of blood and guts, and this isn't a film where you've got jump scares. There are no jump scares in this film. This isn't a film where you've got gore and and um, you know just supernatural occur- occurrences coming out of clouds. It's nothing like that. It's just a very simple, very simple story. You know, this radioactive event occurs and it reanimates dead people, and they're looking to eat on feast on humans. And that's all it is. And 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 yeah. the rest of the story is how the people in the house can't get along. <laughs> but it's so effective. Yeah, I
1: was going to say this comes up almost every time we talk about a movie is that back in the day when they didn't have all those special effects, you needed to try a lot harder to make a good story that people would get roped into and get scared by just the story itself rather than all the gore and the jump scares.
2: Yes, and those stories, the ones that that, that the thought and the energy goes into the the story itself... Are far more effective and far scarier than the ones that, especially now with CGI. You know, anybody with a computer can create CGI effects anymore, and you know it's just it's a cop out in my estimation. Night of Living Dead has none of those things. It doesn't have a great uh, screenplay. The dialogue is mediocre. The acting's mediocre. They're all iconic despite all that. And it's just because of it was in the right place at the right time, the right idea. And, and kudos to John Russo, George Romero, and the whole gang. It was really a, a, a project and a labor of love because they didn't do it with much money. But they got it done. They released a film. They made some mistakes. And one of the mistakes they made was that they didn't know how to protect it. You know, They didn't know how to protect their intellectual property. Ah. And so now it's public domain. So none of them are making any money on it. Now, Romero happens to be... Uh, fortunate enough that he went on to a very very successful uh directing and writing career and uh but the rest of the people involved weren't so lucky and and not that they're struggling, but they certainly didn't enjoy the same success
0: so i've got a i've got a follow up question on yeah. that um we were talking about how um movies like Night of the Living Dead and all those movies they scared people with the intellectual aspect and and how the writing and the Lighting, I mean, you name it, everything but CGI scared people. Uh, do you think that's possible today to do in today's viewership?
2: Well, um, I do think it's possible today. I think um, there's a film. First of all, you guys have talked about the Blair Witch Project, and, mm-hmm. and you know, to mixed reviews. And I know James, at times, you you think it's kind of a sleeper of a film. I think it's very effective, and it's it's completely along the lines of what I was talking about, where there is no. I mean, you don't see any monster in the whole movie. Yeah, you don't see anything it's all suggestive and it's all it's eff, it's effective because it it allows you to put yourself in the place of these people who are in the middle of the woods can't find their way out they keep getting turned around or maybe they don't get turned around maybe they do we don't know and they end up being drawn to this house and based on the stories from interviews they'd heard earlier you kind of know what's going to happen to them and uh that's really it. It's all suggestive, and I think it's very effective. And like it or not, like it, Blair Witch Project was a very, very successful horror film. Um, another exactly. film that was. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. You. No, sorry. That, was,
1: that was actually another a revolutionary movie too. The first time we saw a found footage movie, as was Night of the Living Dead, revolutionary in its idea at the time. Yeah. Well, I, place, right time.
2: Absolutely, Blair Witch Project. It, probably, I don't. I don't. I don't know if it was the very first time found footage was used, but I can tell you it was the very first time found footage was the primary vehicle for telling the story. And not only that, but the the, the filmmakers went on to use the whole found footage um, component of the film to create a backstory so that... People actually went to see this film thinking that's really what it was. It was it was a bunch of film that was found years after these people disappeared, and and they created such a good backstory and a guerrilla marketing campaign that people actually thought this was for real. And you know the one the problem with today, um, Adam and
0: I, as we do our show based off of like our our age, like teenagers and how we see horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem with a found footage movie, even even the Blair Witch Project, is it's been so exhausted today, and it's such a it's such a cheap and a way to do a movie lazily nowadays. Well,
2: I I don't know if lazily is the right word, but I know what you're saying. I it, what it does, found footage is a way that somebody who doesn't have all the equipment and all the resources of a real filmmaker can actually make a movie because you found footage is just that, you know, it's somebody shooting something on their phone or a, or a cheap video camera or whatever, and that's the intention, that's the actual format that that the it's supposed to be in. So you know, they don't have to worry about getting, you know, 32 millimeter um, cameras or, um, or me, 35 millimeter cameras or, um, you know, major equipment. They don't need it because the story allows for the cheap stuff. So you're right. It is. It's an easy way for some people to make film. Uh, um, it's it's also can be done if it's not done well. It's horrible. Um but it still can be done well and you said it's it's kind of been exhausted and you're right but at the same time there's there's every once in a while a film will show up that surprises me and it's found footage and for example I just saw one called Lake Mungo and I've told you guys you need yep. to put it on your list um it's it's found footage in a way but it's also like news footage it's it's kind of this combination of like found footage or news footage but it's all the same idea and it's really really good. And it's really, really um, unique. It's it's a it's a different approach to the whole found footage thing. So it can be done differently. People every once in a while come up with a new way to present it. So I don't think it's dead yet because it's still a very effective um, way to, to tell a story if it's done well.
0: Yeah. And I'll tell you, though, um, I'm just a regular day, regular everyday person, not um, someone who's super into horror. Um, nine out of 10 people I ask at college, I, I tell them that have you seen Blair Witch Project? They're like, no, I, I don't really know that much about it. I'm like, well, it's a found footage movie, and that immediately turns them off. Yeah. Like, no. it's just people don't... Because, I mean, you can name any movie. Um, paranormal Activity is one of the ones that a lot of people bring up. That kind of ruined it for a lot of people just because it was so... I, I don't know. It was. I don't even know how to describe it. It was just well, done.
2: Uh, p- what are we on? Six Paranormal Activity? Exactly. Five, six, where are we? I don't even know. Um, paranormal Activity... I think came around at the like the peak of the found footage thing, yep. and they've they've ridden that wave. Quite honestly, I I thought the first one was okay, and I think everyone since then's been, bleh. um, you know, it's the same thing over and over and over again. Um, and you can only take so much of that. But unfortunately, it, it they it is the most successful franchise in the found footage category. So a lot of people will measure found footage by those films, but not all found fit- footage films our, uh, paranormal activities.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, anything you want to add to that, Adam, you're kind of quiet on the other end there.
2: I
1: think you guys just about covered it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. So then, um,
2: I want to say something else about night of the living dead though, because, um, I had the, f- the, the fortune of seeing that film for the first time at a Halloween screening, um, at a theater in Cooperstown, New York, actually small East mm-hmm. theater. And, um, I can't say I was scared. I mean, I was a, I was a young teenager at the time, but I was I was affected by it. I thought, wow, this is this is just a really cool thing, and I I highly encourage anybody listening to the to the podcast or um, you know tell your friends or whatever, watch the film and support the film because uh, the, the filmmakers. With the exception of Romero going on to a bigger and better career, the rest of the guys um, you know, didn't really make any money off the film. And they really deserve a lot of credit for what they brought to the horror world.
0: It, yeah, it's really true. And I, again, like, like I've been bringing up, um, in today's youth who watch horror or say they watch horror movies and like horror movies, you say zombies, they think Walking Dead. You mm-hmm. say vampires, they think Twilight. You know, it's just. Well, you know,
2: you brought up an interesting point because Walking Dead, and I don't know, Adam, if you watch The Walking Dead at all, but The Walking Dead zombies are based on The Night of the Living Dead zombies. It's the same zombie. They're out trying to eat human flesh, um, you know, all those things. But what I don't like about The Walking Dead, and I I have been a fan, but I'm starting to turn the corner on being a real radical fan or or fanatical fan. the Walking Dead zombies, when you see the, the, them, they're always, like, all bloody and all gory and, like, their teeth are hanging out. And I don't know how they mm-hmm. get this way. Yeah. If they're just, Yeah. If they're just raised, you know, reanimated corpses, how the heck, unless they've all been in car accidents, I don't know <laughs> how they look like this. And, and when you watch uh, Night of the Living Dead and you look at those zombies, they just look like dead people. You know, they're not all chopped up and, you know, half their face gone. None of that. It's just that's what makes it so good. It's just it's almost like if you from a distance and in in the very first scene that you see a zombie in Night of the Living Dead, you see this guy just kind of walking in the background. And the two main characters start talking about him and they're making fun of him kind of and kind of picking on each other because they're in a cemetery and it's not until the very last second do you realize this guy isn't isn't a normal guy. It's it's a dead person walking, because he's not you know from he's he's not all bloody and all weird looking. He's just he just looks dead. You mm-hmm. know he's got a pale face and his eyes are kind of dark and and his clothes look look a little disheveled and that's it. But that's what makes it so good.
1: Yeah, and I think that brings up the re-brings up the point, I guess, of that people are starting to use the special effects a little bit too much for their own good. They're starting, I guess, in the Walking Dead zombies. They're making them look less realistic than the Night of the Living Dead zombies.
2: Right. Yeah, the the, the Walking Dead zombies. First of all, I'm getting tired of that noise. Every time they kill a zombie, there's like <laughs> this watermelon squishing sound. <laughs> Every time. And I'm like, <laughs> I just don't want to hear it anymore. It's, it. you know, it's, it, I don't know hey it's it's the most successful program on television they're obviously doing something right but um i just i just don't like the way they've overdone the the blood and the you know they they when they jab one of those zombies in the head it's like the zombie gushes blood i don't know how these zombies have all this blood if they've been dead or how they still have this blood i don't know i don't know whatever you know let them write those stories i guess i just i just really respect night of living dead and what it brought to the table
0: yeah, and like like I said, most of the people who are watching uh, The Walking Dead aren't huge horror fans, and they're they're watching it more for, like, the story and not necessarily to it's get really scared. It's really a soap opera. It's a drama. It, yeah, exactly.
2: It's a drama that has a bunch of zombies running around in the background. I mean, it, it's really it, what it is.
0: It, honestly, though, that kind of is what it is, and that's what the audience that it has, so they're not really nitpicking all that kind of stuff, and the, I'm sure the writers know that.
2: Right. It's true. It's the, true. The
0: writers are looking, oh, I bet you people who – watch this, they'll think, this is cool, and they'll be talking about how they killed this guy because it was gory. Yep, yep, that's true. A lot of of the shows nowadays, especially Game of Thrones, which a ton of people are talking about, I've never seen that, half the conversation is how how someone died and the gory way that they came up with killing them in the medieval (laughs) ages. It really is. That's what they talk about. Yeah, no, I've
1: heard that too.
0: (laughs) You know, that's all they talk about, and they're like, you need to watch this. It was so cool when this giant guy squished this guy's eyeballs or whatever the heck he did. I don't know.
2: By the way, the math is 47 years, I think.
0: For, for a night of the living death. Yeah, cuz Adam
2: said he didn't do the math. I think it's 47 oh, years. Oh. Is that 40? Is that right? Yeah, that, that about right. Yeah, 47, yeah, 47, 47. years. Yeah, 47. Yeah, right?
0: Yeah, it's 47. Yeah. 40, really, yeah, yeah, yeah I said to do it in my head. What year are we? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're telling me. So, um
2: and 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 hey, hey, while we're talking about it, um just so you know when that film was released, it wasn't released like Films are released today where, you know, coming to your theater this Friday, you know, Night of the Living Dead and Theater Near You kind of thing. It wasn't that way. It was released in a very limited scale. And actually, John Russo and Russ Striner, who is another one of the actors from the film, and he was also a producer, put up some of the money. um, They put the film in the trunk of their car and they drove around to theaters and had him play it and that's how they, they that's, awesome. that's how they got it played and um it, once they did that a bit it started to catch on and you know word spread and there was actually um some very very uh, harsh reviews of the film not because it was a bad film and like i said it's not a great film as far as filmmaking goes but the whole the whole concept the whole reanimated dead people eating live people was so repulsive to some of these film critics that they really panned it but that also created a buzz for it so it all worked
0: yeah um and another question i want to ask you while you were bringing that up and this is not in any way to make you feel old but we adam and i weren't alive when um the blair witch project came out sure so- we were
2: 1999.
0: Okay, well, we weren't watching horror movies then. 1999. We were. <laughs> well, you were. You just weren't aware.
2: Have. You weren't aware of it.
0: <laughs> when did you did you see that in theaters? You st- I did. I
2: did go to the theater yeah. to see the Blair Witch Project.
0: Yeah. What was the hype of like that 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 style of movie when that came out?
2: Well, the the ad, the advertising campaign, um, you know, was all basically presented it as though it was a documentary. Well, not that the film it was the way it was it was presented in a documentary form and they were saying that um you know 3 years ago three film students went into the woods no one's heard from them since uh, 6 months ago i don't remember the exact time frames but mm-hmm. 6 months ago um these these uh these films and videos were found under a rock at some foundation whatever and that was the way they they promoted it as though it was really very seriously, a found footage experience, but then they went a step further. They actually produced and i can 't remember what it played on it was on one of the cable channels a documentary about the whole about the disappearance of these people. It was all police reports and and you know reporters going looking for them and it was it was a whole hour-long documentary about the disappearance of those three students so that made it even more believable is that still available Uh, we we have it i've got it's on it's on a video it's on a vhs Uh Uh, i'm sure it's it's available in other places i don't know if it's on the dvd it probably yeah yeah. i
0: feel like that'd be a good special feature it's probably a special feature on
2: the dvd but it but it it it's basically the whole backstory for what you know, what you're about to see in the in the movie, and um, it's it made it really effective. So um, I, I, you know, I knew it wasn't real. A lot of people didn't. A lot of people thought it was real, and um, I don't know how they fooled people because it just seems it seems a little funny. But whatever, you know, it works for them. I But but it's still when you go into it thinking it, that I mean any movie you go into, you've got a you got a you know there's a suspension of disbelief and you got to allow yourself to be part of it or it's, there's no film experience at all. So if you allow yourself to be part of it, when you watch the Blair Witch Project, it's a very frightening experience.
0: Yeah. And it's one of those movies and Adam and I talked about this when um, we reviewed it in our show. Um, It's one of those movies, like, like you said, when I was watching it, I was kind of like, this is kind of boring. I was kind of getting kind of bored by it, but it, if I were to ever go camping, that movie would be in my head the whole time.
2: I don't know how it couldn't be. And and if you put yourself into the shoes of those three what, 19, 20-year-old kids is what they're supposed to be at the time, and they're in the woods... And I mean it's one thing to go through the first night or whatever when you know some I can't remember exactly what the sequence of things is, but you you know whatever that whatever experience they have it's nothing too big, but then they they just can't get out of the woods. They just can't get out and every every everything they've got, every tool they've got available to them to to get out of the woods doesn't get them out of the woods, and they're like, you know, how can you be lost in the woods in modern day America? How can this happen? Here's one question that Adam and I had. With the map? Yeah. How is the map
1: going to help you that much when you're stranded in the middle of the woods?
0: Like, where would you know where you were in the woods to find yourself on the map?
2: Well, because you guys are of the uh, GPS generation, um, you probably don't look at maps a whole lot. Okay. But before the GPS existed... Um, maps were the way we all used, whether we were on the roads or we were in the woods, to find where we were. And there was, you know, there you have to know how to read the map. And when I say read the map, I don't mean oh, there's route, you know, ninety. Yeah. I'm talking about you look at a, you, if you look at a topographical map, you see rivers, you see streams, you see clearings, you see fields, you see before, you know, and by those things you can figure out if you know how to read the map, and you know where you're starting from, you can you can keep track of where you are.
0: Yeah, but they were lost at this point, so they didn't know where they were, and they were, looking at, they were, they were complaining because they couldn't find their map. Well,
2: the other thing is, if, if, if you look at a map, you know, and you know where North, South, and East, and West are, and you that's, have...
1: That's an interesting point. I was going to bring up, I don't think, because me and James were commenting on this the whole time, is that they weren't saying, where's our compass? They were saying, where's our map? They weren't really looking at a compass for the whole movie.
2: Did they? Did they have a compass? I'm I don't trying to remember. Think, yeah, I think I don't, they did, but I don't
1: I, think I, it was mentioned at all.
2: No, I think they had a compass, and I think it wasn't. It was spinning weird. It wasn't working properly. Um,
0: oh yeah, that's right. I'm that was sh- like the first, the second day, like before anything really yeah, started happening. I think
2: the the compass wasn't working properly, which you know, I mean, obviously we're we're talking about a movie that is that is the plot is a witch is is you know working her her or his magic on uh, on these people in the woods. So well, we all don't this, know. Well, we don't know, but that's the premise. <laughs> I mean, it's the Blair Witch Project. I mean, you kind of you have to go with that assumption. But the bottom line is that, um, you know, the map, it's not going to give you, a, you know, you're not going to get a precise, you know, step-by-step um, uh, guidance but you will get, you know, your general. Okay, here we know there's a road to the west. We just got to keep going west, and we're going to run into the road or whatever. And but the problem is, they kept going in whatever direction, and I can't remember which which direction they were heading in, but they kept going in a certain direction, and they yeah. kept ending up in the same place. Yeah, exactly. So,
0: so obviously, um, there was some sort of witchcraft going on there.
2: Well, that's that's you know, that's the whole idea there. Fair enough. And then, I mean, when they went into that house at the end and all those little handprints all over the walls and yeah and the weird sounds I mean I I don't know guys I don't know how you know you don't think that's disturbing
0: I'll tell you the only part that really caught my attention was that last part one the part when they found the teeth outside their tent that part was pretty scary and then the part when they went in the house but everything else is kind of like the same thing I felt like it was just them arguing
2: well it was it was their increased frustration um, you know, again, putting yourself in their shoes, they're scared, they're lost, they're cold, they're hungry, they're stressed because they had, they, you know, they're supposed to get back to work and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. They're frustrated and, and they don't have anybody directly to blame. So they start blaming each other and, you know, their, their fabric falls apart while all this is happening around them. And that's all part of the, of the, of you know, the fear factor.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely understand why it, it is scary and why people think it is, but just from a personal perspective unless i'm in the woods and i'm camping that night i'm really not scared by it it's one of the it's one of those movies where you you kind of have to you have to be in their shoes to be scared by it personally that's personally how i feel
1: i don't know i thought it was kind of scary personally
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> no i yeah i completely understand that and i can see why i, I yeah,
1: yeah. Actually- I wanted to get off of the uh, of sort of the plot of the Blair Witch project and wanted to ask a firsthand a firsthand experience on this uh, rumor, I guess, because I guess I don't know if it's really true. But I read something on the internet, so again, I don't know if it's true, that the documentary style of filming with a handheld camera was kind of new. And when it first came out in theaters, it was making a lot of the viewers, and sometimes even uh, vomit in the theaters i don 't know if you j b have had any personal experience with that well, when you went to go see it yeah you know, the
2: last time I vomited in a the theater, I think it was probably because of something i'd had before I went into the theater but um, <laughs> now I'd heard those stories too and i and I know there are a lot of there were peop- people and i'm sure a lot of people who complained because it is it is it can be hard to watch, especially if it's new it's a new um, um style of filmmaking, you know, you go into see it the first time, it's not, you know, it's not your point and big framed, you know, high quality camera stuff. So, I heard a lot of that Adam and I I'm sure there's truth to it, but I think that I think that was maybe overblown. I think that was just something that maybe the critics like to talk about more than anything else. I mean, I'm sure there were people that All right. I'm sure there was people that and I still hear people say, "Oh, I can't I can't watch those movies. They make me sick." Well, do they really make you sick or you just you just can't deal with yourself? I don't know.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Or maybe they just always eat something really crazy, right? Yeah, we well got
2: you can't have the bean burritos before you go in there because <laughs> you know, that's the you know, bad sushi's gonna do it to you every time.
0: I mean if yeah, there's a really movie... they don't say you can't eat sushi anymore. <laughs> if there's a movie that I can't eat what I want before I go watch it, then I don't know if I want to watch it.
2: Well, you just got to – it's like you, you can't go in swimming for a half hour after you eat. So don't go in and watch this movie <laughs> well, swim, for a half hour.
0: Swimming and watching movies are kind of hey, different. you know, you got to do what you got to do. I guess know? so, but, I mean, if there's a movie that on the poster it says, warning, don't don't eat before <laughs> watching. I mean, I'm sure the new human centipede has got to have something like that on it because I've heard, I've heard that's pretty – Pretty gory
2: well actually there's a film that was just released um two weeks ago I think called the um the green Inferno I don't know if you've got I have feel
1: like f- I've heard that that I've looked interesting that. I did see a couple yeah that's it,
2: supposed uh, to be really stomach turning
0: is that that's a um like Hollywood production movie right
2: yeah it is it's um um oh gosh what's the director's name it's a famous guy oh cheapers. uh come on this oh wasn't that
1: Michael bay wasn't it
2: no nope He's a, right, a producer. It's, um, uh, why am I coming up with this? Um, Eli Roth.
1: Eli oh, Roth. all right.
2: Yeah, so.
0: Oh, it's this is out already? Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: It's, it was out like, a couple it weeks ago. It just came out. Right.
0: It did, did it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is the cannibal one, right? Yeah. The, okay. Yeah, I've seen this. With the plane crash. Yeah, I was, um,. Actually, th- this is funny. I was talking to my roommates about this movie because we were we were watching a movie, and then this was like kept having commercials for, it. and they their all their comments were and the, these guys are guys who are terrified by horror movies, so they make excuses that every horror movie's bad, so they don't have to watch right, it. Yeah, you know everyone knows those kind of people, but um, they kept saying that they think that um, I mean they obviously have never seen it, um, but they were saying in the commercials, that their comments all were about how um. They think it's offensive that it's cannibals, oh, but they're making fun of cannibals and that, or like having cannibals and that kind of stuff.
2: Well, yeah, there was a film released, and I don't remember what year it was seventy-one or seventy-two sticks, maybe more like seventy-five. I don't know. Called a uh, Cannibal Holocaust, and it was um, it was pretty much what it sounds like. A uh, bunch of bunch of people in the rainforest. Stumble upon this tribe, uh, this indigenous tribe that turns out to be cannibals, Mm -hmm. and they end up eating all the people. Um, And it's it was really offensive. It was one of these films that um, that you know, I don't know. It was like you know, the protests and all this stuff were going on when it was released. Now it's kind of considered a classic because Mm -hmm. you know it, it did approach a subject that had been a bit taboo prior. Um. Although, if you have zombies eating people, I don't know why you can't have people eating people. I'm not really sure why it's that much different. <laughs> you have different.
0: vampires eating. I mean, basically effectively, eating people.
2: Effectively, yeah. Um. So I'm not the blob ate people. you ever see the blob they ate people. Yeah. Whatever. So um, I'm not sure what the what the uh, turmoil was around it, but it was protested. It was all those things, and now it's accepted as a. Sometimes I almost think they 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 drum up that that anti-sentiment because it makes more people pay attention to it and want to go see it. It's, I don't know.
0: I mean, that that's a valid point because there's so many horror movies that are released nowadays all the time. You got to – and, I mean, there's so, only so many topics, ghosts, zombies, murderers, slashers. There, yeah. I mean, there's, no, there's not really any new concepts in horror, which, which I think – I don't I don't know how I feel about that I feel like that there should be something new there can be
2: there will be I you know one of the new topics and Adam you may have seen this I don't know if you peruse uh Netflix much but um a lot of alien films coming out now a yeah. lot of alien stuff you know, in, a lot of alien found I footage
1: actually, yeah I actually just picked up a classic alien movie the uh what is it signs which I haven't seen yet I'm looking forward to watching that
2: oh that's uh, with Mel Gibson yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't think that's a horror movie. Well, it's just no, a good it, alien it's, movie it's, from what I've
2: heard. It's not a it's not a horror movie per se, but it has some horror elements and and scary moments for sure. Um and it's a mm-hmm. well done film for sure. But uh there was one called um I just watched it the other night. Um I think it's Area fifty one, maybe. Maybe uh something like that. But it's a found footage film these these three guys well two guys and a girl figure out a way they can break into Area fifty one and and see what secrets are there and blah 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 and isn't there there's a new
0: movie like that coming out too i saw a commercial for it yeah it's i don't like know it's like a, a guy breaks into area 51 or something I well it know.
2: might be the same film i don't know i saw this was it just came on netflix very recently but um it's really good however i'm thinking to myself yeah like it's going to be that easy to break into Area 51, you know, like, yeah, oh, yeah, the U.S. government, they have two security cameras and that's all, they, they, that's all they're doing, you know. Uh, so it's a little far-fetched and you've got you to remove that part of it. But once you do that, it, the rest of it is really kind of well done. And this whole alien horror mixture um, can be kind of effective. I, you guys, you, you watch the movie Alien from 1970, what was it, 79, 80? Yeah, I have not seen that one. Oh, that's another. You got to put that on the top of your list. You got. I'm going to make a list for you guys because <laughs> these are good movies that I'm talking about. And Alien stands up today. It's a great film, and um, it's a it's a it's a high budget James Cameron um, horror movie. But it's worth watching. And it's and you know it's it. A lot of other films draw on you know films like that to be to to for their foundation. So you got to see them.
0: Yeah, and so they're there. I told yeah, you. Yeah, here, here's a this. Um, this just popped in my head. It's kind of unrelated to everything, but I've noticed, and I'm sure um, both of you have how a lot of like classic fairy tales, like Disney fairy tales, are kind of being turned and manipulated into more like dark live action. Yeah, like
1: really, really dark and dismal. I've noticed that. Yeah, too. Yeah,
0: di- I mean, and Disney's making them. It's not like other companies are making them. Like, um. Uh, the new one that's coming out is Pan, a, a remake of Peter Pan. Yeah, another one, but it's like a lot more like focused on the gruesomeness of Hook and like the pirates and that kind of thing, opposed to like fairy tales and Peter Pan loving Wendy and all that sort of stuff. So I don't. I mean, I I just want to know your thoughts on that and how you guys feel about that.
2: Well, I have seen the um the trailer or the the previews or the commercial for that pan film and i think my immediate thought was really another one yeah we really need another one of these and and as i'm watching and i'm thinking the only reason they did this is because now with cgi they can do all these really spectacular visuals and that doesn't help the story it doesn't do anything for me you know give me the old disney cartoon peter pan i'm happy
1: exactly that's how i feel I think those animated productions were incredible feats in themselves. Oh, yeah. I don't know why they need to go in and make CGI out of them.
2: Right. That's absolutely right. Absolutely right. But, you know, uh, we've talked about uh, on my show, Horror Talk, we've talked about remakes a lot. And and one of the guys that I had on the show, his name is Harrison Smith, and you may have met him at ScareCon, but um, he's a director, filmmaker, producer. And, he, you know, we talked about these remakes, and very seldom does a remake— End up being better than its original. Very mm-hmm. seldom. And his point was why don't they go out, instead of remaking the good movies, why don't they go out and remake the bad ones? Take the bad ones, make remakes of them, and then you might have a good movie. Um, now, it's all the publicity. Here. <laughs>
0: it's well, it's all the publicity. A good movie, if you're remaking it, it's just already got that. Publicity. Well, that's
2: that's exactly what the point is, and, and from from a real logical standpoint, it makes perfect sense to go out, take a bad movie, and remake it, and make it actually a good movie mm-hmm. because you you know you might have a good movie on your hands. But the reason people do remakes is because there's a built-in audience. Exactly. If it's a good movie and has a big built-in audience you've automatically got a following even if your movie isn't so good and they know
0: that that's why they that's, that's exactly why sequels no, sequels are never as good because they know they already have that fan base so they can completely butcher it and still make I mean, their
2: money d- have you seen the the um the remake of poltergeist i haven't seen it
0: no that's the like new new yeah right? well,
2: well within the last month yeah you, i haven't seen adam that. did you see it
1: no i haven't yeah
2: it's um i've, I've heard nothing but but horrible things about it, and uh, I don't know if you've seen the original Poltergeist, which was a Steven Spielberg production from '83 or '82, 80, somewhere in there. Um, that was a great film. That was a really good movie. And I mean, who the hell wants to go up against Steven Spielberg? <laughs> I mean, who's who's thinking? Well, who you know who makes that decision? Oh well, yeah, let's put let's put a hundred million dollars in a movie trying to recreate what Steven Spielberg did. No thanks, I don't want that job. <laughs>
1: No, Steven's is good enough. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
2: Let's let him be the authority on his films. We don't need to try to redo them. Um, yeah. but yeah, but that's the thing with remakes. I mean, 9 9 times out of 10, they're really just trying to trying to make money off of the name. You know, that's why there are, you know, 40 uh Amityville horror films, and exactly. that's why there are, you know, 20 Texas Chainsaw Massacre films, and none of them are as good as the original. And same thing with the Amityville Horror. None of them are as good as the first one. Um, even even when you get into things like Friday the 13th and Halloween now one difference with those films is they don't they're not trying to be remakes or sequels many times they're just completely reboots you know it's a retelling of of the story from a different perspective and a different angle and it's just trying to be more of a continuation of the of the character than a continuation mm-hmm. of the story so it's kind of hard to judge them in the same way but at the same time those the original halloween and the original friday the 13th are are monumental movies both made on a shoestring budget both made without any real special effects both great horror movies
0: yeah and that that brings up another um point that we were talking about before is um the re remaking of monsters and how that's hard to do cuz both of these both of those movies, again, were kind of new ideas. They created a new monster that's now iconic, um, and I think I think that building off of that same monster has its positives and negatives. But I I, I almost feel like it, it can hurt the image of the like the monster if if for example Michael Myers if you, if you have so many Michael Myers movies and some of them are really bad and for a certain percent of percentage of your audience has only seen the bad ones. They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, they associate that character with it, and then when they go to see the good one, they just think of the bad ones.
2: Yeah, well, I'm I'm personally again, and I don't I, I, I alluded to it, but maybe I didn't say it strongly enough. When it comes to Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees, those two first movie. Now, first of all, the first Friday the Thirteenth movie, Jason Voorhees really isn't even in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason. I don't know. I don't. I don't think I'm going to spoil this for anybody. The film has been around since 1980, so I think that I can say this without a, without a big they deal. They should have gotten around to watch. Yeah, it right if, now. if you haven't, you deserve to be spoiled right now. Um, Jason doesn't show up in that film until the final like three seconds, and it's a final three seconds that makes that film the classic it is. Frankly, um, but the villain in the movie is Jason's mother. It's not Jason, mm-hmm. and. And Jason isn't even in the movie until those final three seconds. You think the movie's over. She's floating on the lake. You think it's all nice, pretty music in the background. All oh, the day's been saved. The police are going to show up. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, this kind of decayed figure pops out of the water and pulls her in. And that's the only sighting of Jason, uh, Jason in the whole movie. And so somehow from that, they built a character,
0: yeah, Jason. D- with the hockey mask and all that stuff. Yeah. How did that... I was, was that in a sequel? Is that how they well, came up with
2: that? Um and this is where my knowledge starts to fall apart because I've never been one for sequels. But um, Friday the 13th 2 with Amy Steele, who's a good friend of ours, I was at ScareCon a couple of years ago and has been on my program um, – she was the, the heroine in uh, that film. But that's when, they, when Jason became the villain because in the first one, the mother's killed at the end yeah. of the movie. So yep. she can't come back. I don't know how that matters because Jason's been killed 100 times. He keeps coming back. So I'm not so sure that matters by today's standards. But back then, apparently, <laughs> they couldn't bring her back. <laughs> and I will say, too, that the woman who played Jason's mother— The actress was Betsy Palmer, and she just passed away a few months ago. And uh, that was a sad, sad uh, time for the horror community because somewhat selfishly, we were hoping to have her at ScareCon some year because we really wanted to treat the fans to her and meet her Mm -hmm. ourselves. Great, great woman, great character. But anyway, so, um, yeah, I think that was that Friday the 13th, too, that that was introduced.
0: Okay, so and it's just kind of evolved what it is now
2: because i mean well you get one filmmaker and film trying to outdo the one before it you know you got to keep getting crazier and crazier i mean what was the one jason in space or i don't even know somebody was in space recently (laughs) was it freddie jason michael myers somebody was in space i don't know what are they doing in space i don't know give me the original ones halloween 1978 friday the 13th 1980 those two are great films both very effective very scary and uh, and particularly, I think Halloween of the two, Halloween's a better film. But again, it because it's more, it's simpler and it's um, doesn't rely on you know slashing people with, with whatever knives or other instruments they've got. And available. it's
0: super realistic. That's, it is
2: the story is very realistic.
0: That's what gets me about like movies like that get me because it's so realistic and there's there's almost no reason. It's just an innocent person who gets picked, and right. it could it, it could have been anybody.
2: It's random. It's random. And, um, you know, the story itself is pretty believable. You know, we got this kid who's disturbed for whatever reason, and uh, he spends his life in a ment- mental institution and breaks out. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. When I was a kid and we used to tell ghost stories or, to each other, one of the stories we always told was about the escaped lunatic that was reported. You know, you girl sees the report on TV, and she's hanging out in the living room and locks all the doors and windows, sits there, petting the dog, um, and then realizes the dog's outside and she wasn't petting the dog. Yeah. After all, she was petting the lunatic. But, you know, so that whole lunatic breaking out and invading our homes and, and doing whatever has um, is, is always been a scary story in our fabric. So to take that and, and make a movie like Halloween, I think it was brilliant. And I have to say, one of the things that makes Halloween such a great movie is the score.
0: Yes, I, I completely agree.
2: That score, written by John Carpenter... He wrote the music for that for his film uh, is is unbelievable, and um, I think it, that's that's a good reason why that film is so effective.
0: And that that score again is so simple; mm-hmm. it's it's just goes with the movie so simply. Yep,
2: yeah. yep, yeah. yeah.
0: you, you know that one, right, Adam?
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that. That's, that should be on my list to rewatch. It's been a couple of years since I've seen that movie.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: But I remember the I remember the soundtrack to it. So if that says anything,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's actually that's a really good segue into kind of what we plan on talking about a little bit today. Um, the Woman in Black two, because that's yeah. that's pretty much the only good part about that movie.
1: The soundtrack? yeah, because it only yeah. because it kept the exact soundtrack from the first one.
0: Yeah, the the soundtrack from the first movie was so good, and it, they kept it in the second one, which was really the the only. Good thing I can say about it. They um, really just
1: sort of sold the soundtrack on CD instead of making a second movie.
0: <laughs> Honestly, they probably would have made more money and less less uh, critiquing for sure. But
1: um, probably not actually because it already had the Woman in Black one fan base.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And not everyone there would probably buy the soundtrack as as would go see the new movie. Yeah, Maybe that's yeah. It's me.
0: all it's all the business <laughs> business of the game. But yeah. So, so, I mean, a couple things that I want to bring up. I don't want to talk about it too long, but...
1: I was um, going to say, I don't think we have time for our whole scare. Yeah, activity. exactly.
0: I don't want to... We don't have to do that. <laughs> I just want to bring up a couple points. There's so many things we can say that were bad about it, so let's not do that and just... We can say the good things about it. Be positive.
2: That's right. a nice poster. You go first. <laughs>
0: yeah, it does have a nice a poster. That's a nice poster. It does have a very nice poster. Um, and one of the things that I want to talk about, the thing that I thought was the... Best thing about it was um, how the little the little boy I, he's kind of the main character I guess um, he's the he's kind of the protagonist for mo- the most part.
2: You should you, when you start talking about these films, you should read this. You want me to read the I rating? Think you
0: should, No, <laughs> is that who you're pointing to no. <laughs> the, plot,
2: the plot summary? So anybody oh, who hasn't okay. seen it, okay. There's... I mean,
0: yeah, well, yeah, we can do that, but we kind of spoil it. So I feel like if you're listening well, to it, you those should know
2: plot it. Those plot summaries um, aren't supposed to spoil anything.
0: Okay, but, I mean, we spoil it. But okay, I'll read it. I'll read it for the sake of reading <laughs> it. Um, Go for it. Forty years after the first haunting at Eel Marsh House, a group of children evacuated from World War II London arrive, awakening the house's darkest inhabitant,
1: the woman in black So automatically you know that it's kind of just going to be the first movie all over again. Exactly. I mean, children move into the house.
0: Yeah, and when I was going to see it, I kind of expected that.
1: Exactly. And what we've talked about before is the whole point of the first one is you don't really realize why the woman in black is doing what she's doing. But going into the second one, obviously, you do. So it's kind of, I don't know, it was just kind of a big letdown for me when a bunch of children were moving into the house when I already knew... Why
0: the woman in black did what she did? Yeah, and um, uh, I'm just going back to what I was saying. The one thing that I liked about it was their choice to make the main character mute. I yeah, thought I thought that, that was that was good. That was like that was kind of that was really creepy because um, the first scene that we really encounter the woman in black is when he's in the bedroom and the the two boys locked him in there, and he's like trying to get out, but he can't talk so he can't yell for help he's just in there and i think that, yeah that that just paints a very scary picture
1: yeah a vivid image imagine imagine not being able to scream out in terror because you're physically mute and actually can't
2: okay i got two things to say about that first is i'm going to give you i'm going to give you my two cents on the women in black too it's got a nice poster <laughs> now re- regarding the, the the mute thing have you ever seen the movie The Tingler?
0: The Tickler? Tingler, not, no. Tingler. Oh, <laughs>
2: boys! I have. Uh,
0: I've never even heard of that.
2: I need to take you to horror movie boot camp
1: <laughs> and
2: get you up to speed on this stuff. Now, The Tingler is a is a film from the '50s starring Vincent Price, and William Castle was the producer. I don't think he was the director of that one. Maybe he was. Um, and he William Castle is known for, for making these horror films in the fifties and he used these gimmicks to sell the films or to, to make the films more exciting. For example one of his films was called uh, The House on Haunted Hill. And it's mm-hmm. not the ones, not the one that was remade in the 90s or 2000s or whatever it was. This is from the 50s with Vincent Price. And in that film, you went to see that film, and in certain theaters, not all theaters, but in certain theaters, at a certain point in the movie where you see the skeleton on the screen, a skeleton would fly over the heads of everybody in the theater. It would be on a wire and it would come across. So it would mm-hmm. scare everybody. Yeah, yeah. Or he'd have, he'd have the uh, like, uh, everybody who went in to, the, to watch this movie had to sign um a a certificate saying they wouldn't sue them if if they died in fright at of the the movie you know gimmicks like that he was was like the pt barnum of movies but um the tingler was one of his films and the tingler was uh um this creature that was inside everybody and it when you got scared it would build up the creature would build up and it looked like a almost like a, a, a kind of a centipede slug thing. And it would, be on, it would be on your spine, and it would have these tentacles that would wrap around your spine. And the more scared you got, the bigger it would get. And then when you screamed, that would release the pressure, and the tingler would disappear. Mm-hmm. So um, two things. One is the main, one of the main characters in the film is a mute, a mute woman who can't scream. So that goes to your point, um, and, and so the whole thing revolves around the fact that she can't release this terror, so she ends up, the Tingler ends up killing her. The second thing I'll say is that the William Castle um, trick or gimmick for that film was he, w- he would hook up uh, little electrical buzzers on certain seats in the theater. So when the Tingler started to come, certain seats would buzz, and it would scare people. So anyway, that's that's what I want to say about The Woman in Black, too. Yeah.
1: Okay, That's pretty cool. Yeah, Interactive
2: a, movie theater. Yeah, yeah, that's a
0: cool idea. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that the best part was that mute character and how he couldn't um, vocalize his fright and he couldn't call for help. He couldn't really do anything. But then it turns out that he's kind of the bad guy for For the middle half of the movie, I guess.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, beyond that, there really Beyond that, there's not much good to say about it.
0: I liked, how they, I liked their idea of um, how they got people back into the house, uh, how it was, they had to evacuate the children from World War II, and that was really the only refugee place they could go. Uh, yeah, so it
1: was kind of a last resort sort of deal. Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't really they, have a choice.
0: And they obviously didn't know any of the history behind it, so it wasn't like they were stupidly going back to a haunted place. Yeah, uh, I thought that that was that was cool. It, it could have been done better, but it also could have been done worse. That's, that's kind of how I looked at it. And then just one part that I really want to talk about. This is um, not positive, but what was with <laughs> the like hermit guy, goblin dude in the town?
1: I. I don't. I couldn't even exactly tell you where in relation to the house that was because it was kind of just so random and took me so off guard. I was just pretty confused from there. Exactly about and that whole part.
0: And <laughs> I like. I under, I could understand why they'd have that character if he was like one of the main characters from the first movie, and they made that connection. But. He, I mean, from I guess
1: what, I don't even know what character that would have been. Though. That's
0: what that's what I'm saying. Like they, I feel like if they made a connection with to him with a character from the first movie, and like, oh, he was stuck there, which uh, they very may well may well well they very they they could have done. I'm sorry, I can't get my words out there. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they could have done, but I yeah didn't pick up on that as um, everyone I watched it didn't either. So I, I don't know. It was just kind of there and it was, and like the second time he shows up when he locks the woman, um, in that cell that, that was just like, what do you, it, it just made no sense.
1: Yeah. And it, it a lot was, of the movie didn't make yeah. that much sense. But that me.
0: part was just the, that whole character was just. like No,
1: yeah. That was definitely the
0: worst. Why are you there? <laughs> like, it just didn't make <laughs> any sense to me.
2: So did you guys sign any autographs at Scarecon?
0: A lot. Yeah, did you? We we were um, working security.
2: Signing autographs for security? Yeah,
0: they they really liked us. We
1: basically just practiced signing autographs to each other for <laughs> when we need to.
0: Yeah, I got a lot from you, Adam. Thanks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know. I got at least 20 from you. Nice. Put them on eBay.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now, we're we're building up our fan base. We'll we'll be a huge draw next year.
2: Uh-huh. Don't you, you worry. Would you have fun at ScareCon?
1: Oh, yeah. It was great. It was an awesome experience. That was my first time going. Mm-hmm.
0: I I had fun as always. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I don't know about you, Adam, but I think my favorite part was definitely the zombie party. Or the that was
1: a lot of fun. The time I mean, of I zombie. think that was probably everybody's favorite part. Who went? <laughs> yeah,
0: that that party is just. I mean, I, you and I, we we like horror and pop culture, but we're not like diehard fans. Which exactly. I, I think it's kind of obvious by now in our show. Um. So so like yeah, it's cool to meet all these people, but I'm not like. I don't really know who they are, most of them until I meet them. I'm like, oh, you, exactly. I, make, I make the connection. Oh, you were in this. Okay, that's really cool. So I'm not like mm-hmm. super amped about meeting people and all, all the merchandise. I mean, it's really cool stuff, but again, I'm not a huge horror pop culture fan. So I mean, there. I mean, it's an awesome island.
1: atmosphere though, and you can't deny that. Even though I'm sort of in the same boat, you are. Like, there's no place I'd rather be. Honestly, exactly. It was awesome. that,
0: I, that's what I was getting to. Is like the people and the cosplay and the energy is just what makes it it just yeah. it makes it for i mean that that's kind of the point i'm trying to make is you don't have to be a diehard fan to enjoy it exactly so i mean you jv I, I guess i can ask you what your favorite part is or was this year
2: my what my favorite part of scarecon this year was um I don't know that I've got a favorite part, honestly. I uh, I mean, the parties are a lot of fun, um, but I also pay for the parties. And when I say pay, I mean physically I pay <laughs> for the parties the next day. Yeah, um, don't we all? Because I'm running around like crazy, and there's, there's no break for me whatsoever. Um, I What I really, really like every year is I walk away with um, some pretty cool new friends. And, um, you know, the celebrities for the most part almost all of them become personal friends by the time the weekend is over. And uh, and then there are people like Jason Lively, who, um, you know, Jason's from Night of the Creeps or European Vacation. Um, he He's more than a personal friend now. I mean, he's like a buddy, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, that's a relationship that um, will not only be mutually beneficial because we can do more events and stuff together, but it's going to be rewarding, and I'm really looking forward to that. Um, you know, be, being... Having that relationship and others, and that's when every weekend that goes by with the Scaricon, I leave with uh, my phone filled with more contacts and no phone numbers and friends, and um, I think that's the best part.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I, I completely understand that. Um, I
2: think. And I would, nobody went to jail. That's always helpful.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. You obviously haven't <laughs> talked to Spencer, have you?
2: Well he go to jail?
0: No, <laughs> he didn't. Well, he should have. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he Should have gone to jail. <laughs> he should have. After I that. see
2: him, I'm going to send him to jail.
0: <laughs> Hopefully, he doesn't. Um, so,
2: what's coming up next for the Ghost Goons? Um, what do you got? What do you got on the calendar this month? It's October. It's, w- it's it's Ghost I goon w- exact, month.
0: October. Exactly. And October. This is what we talked about doing for October. Is we talked about. Um, you're going to like this because you were kind of complaining about it the whole episode. I'm going to keep complaining Making about October it. the classic month mm-hmm. and doing classic movies for October. Okay. And leading up to um, Halloween week, we'll do Halloween. Kind of cliche, but. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's what, not, it's uh, no, appropriate. That's, it's not exactly. necessarily a cliche.
2: <laughs> so uh, I think,
0: I think that's where we'll go. And when I say classics, I, I'm thinking like Dracula classics. Like, that,
2: yeah, that's, those are great films. Um for a lot they're they're great films for different reasons you know nobody today watching dracula is going to be scared well exactly. maybe maybe a little kid I, I i don't know when i first watched dracula i was probably 8 years old and it was on tv and and uh, i couldn't sleep for a week and my mother had to put crosses made out of tinker toys <laughs> or stuff at the foot of my bed and around my bed cuz i was so scared for weeks after watching dracula now I don't know if it would have the same effect on a little kid you know an eight year old kid today or not I'm not sure I mean when you're that young you still might be affected but you know when Dracula was first shown in nineteen thirty one it scared the bejeepers out of people and uh I'm not talking about kids I'm talking about adults and um it had it was a it was a societal shift from that film it it scared people so much. And uh, it wouldn't have that effect on adults these days.
0: Yeah, that's it's just so interesting to think about. Like I've always wondered, what if what if we could send one of today's good horror movies back to that audience, oh, and
2: what it would do? I don't know. I I, I don't know if they could handle it, frankly. I, um, I know. You know. Well, I, I'm not saying that in a, in a, in a facetious way. The things that that we are desensitized to, um. You know, people back in the dawn of cinema, which was you know, twenties into the thirties, they're just not. I don't think they can handle it. I honestly don't. I think it would be. I don't know. I don't know. I. I mean, honestly, right? Isn't it? They, you know, just things like you know, nudity and 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 gore and violence. I, they wouldn't have. They wouldn't know how to process it.
1: Well, I mean, I was for one. Say- our uh, our society today is so desensitized to blood and gore throughout like you were saying James Game of Thrones which I've never seen but all you hear about is the bloody gory deaths and i mean even with video games like Call of Duty where you see people killing each other all the time like mm-hmm. people back in that day just didn't see that stuff every day
2: no they didn't they didn't see it every day they didn't you know they didn't have the the constant barrage of media whether it's visual or or audio or whatever they just didn't have it they had the radio When they wanted it and beyond that it was you know it was a different life and you know simple things like just having news available to us 24 hours a day on 10 different channels or more um you know we're constantly being shown stuff that in a real world is actually disturbing and and back then people the best they could do was read about it in a newspaper and it certainly doesn't present the same um you know impact when you're reading about it as as if you're watching a you know a video of for example, recently the guy that was uh, burned alive by um, ISIS. Yeah, you know, I mean, talk about horrifying. Talk about horrifying. That's disturbing. Um, but you know, so it, it, much simpler, much more innocent uh, population back then. So yeah, I don't, I don't know how they'd process today's stuff.
0: Yeah, it, it I, it's just amazing to me just thinking about it. What, how that would go, go about in that culture, but. We will never know. So,
2: well, maybe we will someday.
1: Yeah, you don't, you don't know that. <laughs> you know, maybe
2: that's a thing to do. That's the movie. That's the movie to write. You write a movie about somebody who s- sends a movie back in time and into just, a theater, and what happens to the people? They all become like crazy because they see this film and they can't handle it.
1: Well, now see, the only problem with that is then we'd really need to write two movies because we would need to write the movie that they. Sent no, we, that can <laughs> <two>.
0: <laughs> we can use. We can use Night of Living Dead. It's public domain.
1: There you go. There you go. I guess that one that
0: one's not really modern enough.
1: It doesn't. I was going to yeah. say it didn't there wasn't the whole point to do a modern horror day horror movie.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. we can find a public domain one. Throw that one in a movie. Yeah.
1: Well, it sounds,
2: oh, like, well. sounds like sounds like October is going to be a good month. You're going to do classics that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to hearing that stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. We're excited about it too. Um we're we're going to we're also going to try to do since we're at college kind of a limited budget, we're going to do um try to do stuff off of Netflix just so we don't have to buy stuff.
2: Well, the nice thing about yeah. doing things off of Netflix, too, is that anybody who listens can then go watch exactly. it if they've got Netflix. Exactly. It's a lot easier.
0: That's yeah. that's what we're going to try to stick to. Um, we may... Exactly.
1: All I, hear, all I hear nowadays is that there's no good horror movies on Netflix, so all you have to do is listen to our show and we'll tell you which ones are good.
0: Yep, Woman in Black 2 is not good. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the Woman in Black was on Netflix, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah I don't believe yeah. it is anymore. Yeah, it, it was. That that's a great movie. That's a good one. So, um, I guess without further ado, we will. We today's October first, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Wow. That's crazy. I guess next. So next week we're gonna be doing a classic.
1: There we go. That that's crazy. Do we, have, do we have one? Do we have one on deck yet? Or no? You
0: tell me. What what's your what's your most hype? Classic movie that you want to watch? Me? Yeah. Just one? Just, I don't know. Just pick one. <laughs> I, figured, I figured we'd ask JV because he's all right, the one yeah, of the best. Yeah, you know
2: Here's the problem you, it has to be on Netflix.
0: Hey, uh, Nosferatu's on Netflix. What about that That's one? That's
2: a great one. Nosferatu is, is amazing.
0: I know that one from SpongeBob.
2: That's how we all know it Nosferatu is a great great I was thinking
0: we
1: might just do that
2: episode of Spongebob For next week
0: (laughs) Yeah we can do that honestly That's got some serious horror
2: You know uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is on Netflix and that's The the original one is? The original 1984 Um, I honestly don't think it's a great film But um, a lot of people love it, and it's considered a classic. And Wes Craven, the the creator and director, just died recently uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Maybe that's a good one to start with. It's um, and the other neat thing about it is it's Johnny Depp's uh, premiere in film. It's his first movie.
0: That wow! I didn't even know he was in that. Yep, I've never I've never seen that. I guess all right. I guess that's what we're doing. Yeah, (laughs) locked in. So tune in next week for that. Um, I guess I guess we're about out of time here, so thanks for joining us, JV.
2: Hey, my pleasure.
0: Uh, I'm sure you'll be Thank on you. again soon. Uh, we'll be talking about ScareCon once, once new stuff is announced. Um, we'll definitely be there next year, so definitely come to that once dates are announced. And I guess that's it, so thanks for joining us.